Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, and what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk and the Game of Thrones rewatch is into season two. We looked at season two, episode one last week, uh, which would be the 11th overall in the series. And we're looking at episode 12 today. And you know what? Sometimes I do this alone. Sometimes Rachel or Andres or some of the other Castly Talk crew, but now we have a, a friend of the show, essentially part of the crew of the show, when uh, we can get in here. Please welcome to this Stannis the Manus Review Hour, Michelle Boyd. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, Ken Knapsack. It's, uh, Master Maester. How are you, sir? I, I, I'm good. I'm excited to, to really uh, get to talk to Game of Thrones, uh, get to talk to you about Game of Thrones, which is something we've done for quite a while now. Extensively. Night is, yeah. <laughs> and, and in great detail. Uh, yeah, quite, quite frankly, I mean, you and I had kind of either know, know, known each other around the circles and everything, but it wasn't until Night is Dark with Maude Garrett and Tiffany mm-hmm. Smith that we uh, finally got to realize that, you know, we're both pretty nerdy about Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire. And then, of course, over at uh, Screen Junkies, Watching Thrones, we held down the court there for season six, right? Yes. I think so. That does sound right. Was it season six or season five? Season six, and then because season seven, I was over at the Collider Show, so that would make sense. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 I makes remember, sense. Remember talking to Battle of the Bastards with you on the air? So ah, the good old days. And then, quite frankly, you and I, every time we meet, we probably uh, talk about talking with Thrones. Yeah. You you have come over, and we have relived. I think we did a thing uh, where we watched our favorite episode from each season over a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, yeah, I made our way through that bottle pretty well. <laughs> we we did, and I. I kind of kind of remember some you of the remember? episodes. Kind of remember some of the episodes. Yeah, we and we did that in the early days of Periscope, the power of streaming on your phone. Yeah, yeah. before where we really should have been embracing Instagram Live more, I believe. But oh, the days of Periscope. That's okay. At least we're not doing a meerkat show, right? Was that the one? Uh, I don't that, even know what that is. That was that was like two weeks before per, uh, uh, Periscope. Is that like the Betamax version <laughs> of live streaming? It, it totally was. And uh, 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 my pal Chris Taylor, who wrote the book House. Star Wars conquered the uh, universe. I remember he was at one of the conventions, and I, he's from he from London, from the UK, but lives up in San Francisco. And I always run into him at conventions. And he had his phone up, and he was streaming on Meerkat. And I was like, "What is this? Oh my god!" And 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 two weeks later, that was done. It was gone. <laughs> it yeah. was done. No. So uh, you and I are here on the power of the internet and power of the podcast. Here, looking at season two, uh, episode two uh, of the season twelve overall. So I, I can't really dive into this episode. Uh, we talked the lessons and the morals of stuff, but but I I, I got to ask you about your thoughts, uh, Michelle, overall for season two, uh, especially um, looking back now as we, with the, the mm-hmm. whole series, the story. As far and again for those just joining us, this focuses mostly on the TV show and the story presented to us from there. Without a doubt, Michelle and I are book readers. We're gonna we're gonna draw upon what we know or things from the books that'll come up, obviously. But I want to talk to you about season two right now. What is what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this episode, uh, The Nightlands, was really a good indication of why I love season two. It was very Tyrion heavy. You got to see a lot of the dialogue, a lot of which got made up uh, yep. by the showrunners by uh, mm-hmm. by by the showrunners for this, and not really directly taken from the book. Um, it. It was weird. Like season two is definitely one of my favorite seasons, particularly because I always like Tyrion being clever, but also it it was just for an overall sense of just this particular episode as well. It did kind of highlight something I didn't think the first time I watched it, where when you finish watching the whole show and you realize how rushed it gets towards the end, especially Mm -hmm. like the later seasons, later episodes, you almost wish episodes like this could have maybe sped up a few things. Interesting. Like, I, I know I, I love watching it at sometimes, but like, and we'll, and we'll get into this when we get mm. more into the show, but like, you know, scenes like little, like little finger talking to Roz and mm. telling, you know, that the right. longest 
threat on the face of the planet, just <laughs> taking the longest route in order to get to a threat for her. It, it's it's good to watch because yeah. it really does highlight the character of Littlefinger, but also knowing you've got so much farther to go, you're just like, come on, man, just just slap her, get it over with, get out yeah. of the room. I know that's not you, but come on. This like, it, it, I, I'm really interested in this take because I won't say. I don't. I don't necessarily know that you and I completely did. Uh, I, I. I. I'll start. I. I really do love season eight. I know you didn't love it as much as I did, and, and that, that's fine. We're, we're still going to clink beers and be friends. I loved moments. I loved moments, moments from right. season eight overall. Mm-mm. You're not so much, uh, not which so is much. great because I love that perspective because this this is something different because that's obviously one of the complaints, seven and eight, a little Russian. Without a doubt, the, the pacing, uh, the, the the producer said, we're going to go faster. Uh, yeah. it, in uh, A Fire Cannot Kill Dragon, they talk about- By the way, let's pay attention to my ghost. My oh, ghost yeah, you got the- For just a second, my ghost cup. Shout out to the- Just uh, get it out of the way. The house sigils you've got behind you there. The house, um, I'm, I'm house Hello Kitty today. House, house Hello Kitty with the- You got the ears. I just got mm-hmm. my Night's Watch hat because I am Night's Watch to the bitter end. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, in, in the book Fire Cannot Kill Dragon, uh, I know you haven't a chance to read it, but the no. producers and, and writers kind of talk about, by the time they got a seven or eight, they're like, we just, we also, we're tired of talking. It was time to fight a little bit. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, that was what their decision was. But, but to hear you go back to season two, you and I love season two. Season two, perhaps one of my favorite seasons. Sometimes I rank it over one if I'm feeling saucy. Yeah. But I, see, I I do rank it over one. I I, I think too. I did initially, but I do now. But to hear to hear yeah. you to say that I'm I'm feeling I'm like Baelish, long long wind to get to one point of this perspective of going back now. Even now, you're kind of like, all right, just give me 15 seconds forward. Let me click forward a little bit, which Tiny is not bit. not a criticism. It's just it, it's it's kind of weird when you look back. Yeah, a little bit. It's it's just you. I really, really appreciated all of the slowness at the beginning Mm -hmm. and I probably wouldn't have enjoyed season two nearly as much without it, but you do, you do just kind of want to advance the plot lines. And I mean, and a lot of this has to do with obviously the producers figuring that they would have a plot line to Mm -hmm. adapt by the time they got to season seven and eight, um, which they, they did not. So it's, it's, it's no one's fault exactly it's just it's such a different change in tone from when you look at season seven and eight and you know what they're heading towards uh but no overall mm-hmm. of course i loved this episode i loved i loved all of season two it's yeah. great television well, and, and season two is as i always i always say people here at Cassidy talk are probably tired of me saying like i love uh, all the books clash of kings uh, great mm-hmm. i still think this is kind of a better edit of the book where you get a lot of things mm-hmm. the tywin aria stuff that shows up everything you already mentioned yes. some scenes I just it, it was just not not shade at all at, at, at Clash of Kings the book, but just kind of like it had a little bit of get to it and because they, get they had to, to it, man. They had to adapt the story and they found the beats mm-hmm. that, that that mattered. So we're yeah. we're about to dive in here to like I said, episode twelve, the Nightlands original air date April eighth, two thousand twelve. Michelle, where were you on April eighth, two thousand twelve? <laughs> That's a scary... that was thirty five years ago. Absolutely. I have no idea. Two thousand twelve. Isn't it crazy? Is it crazy? Oh, I, I don't. What yeah. I I can barely remember a month ago at this point. The world yeah. has gotten so insane. It's, I I truly I truly don't even remember. Yeah, we're, we're I, I really don't. We're pre-taping a bit on this episode. This week we're in. Was we taped uh, this in election week? It feels like twelve years. So this episode mm-hmm. whew, centuries ago. Uh, it literally, it really does feel like a century ago. Yeah. I, re- I was rewatching the episode this morning, and it, it's so funny to see everyone so baby faced. Yes, and just uh, everyone's so baby faced. It's just it's it's like pre presidential years. It's it's everyone's <laughs> got like not no lines on their face. It's just right. uh, baby Aria, baby Kit Harrington, no crows. Yeah, it's great. Uh, director <laughs> of the episode was Alan Taylor. I think it's fourth straight. He finishes season one. He comes back for these two. Uh, episode nine of season one, Baylor was his first uh, with the series, and and he mm-hmm. this is a great big chunk that he he put together. Uh, Benny Offenweiss wrote it. Cinematographer Kramer Morgenthau, which is a Game of Thrones name in of itself. Francis Parker editing, did a lot of the editing in season one. So you got the look and feel. All right, Michelle, let's dive in. We always like to start with themes and lessons. Uh, you mm. know, uh, there, there's, and also love how you and I might interpret this different and, and the different perspectives on what's presented. So what do you got? Hit me with something b- deep and big. Uh, what grabbed you in this episode? Farts. A lot of no, so I'm, I'm not kidding. I don't know that yeah. we'll get to that. Actually, it's one of my favorite moments, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's for the, for the theme that when you, when you start talking about it, 
the one that I that actually jumped out to me was just threats, just just yeah. the, just the theme of threats. And I, you have a very good differentiation between like Tyrion, Varys, and Littlefinger to me. And it's just yes. it's, it was interesting to see the difference. And actually, in a little bit with like Balon, Balon Greyjoy as well yep. with uh, with with uh, Theon. And just to see everyone's different ways of threatening. I mean, you have Tyrion who's extremely direct when he talks to Varys and you have come against me, I'm going to throw you in the ocean versus Varys just sort of talking a story and using metaphors. And then you've got Littlefinger who takes 500 years to get to the actual threat. Balon's pretty easy. Balon's Balon's very direct as well. But just, just the, the, I, I, looking back once you, once you mentioned the idea of uh, trying to find a theme in the episode, that was the first one that kind of leapt out at me was just this, this theme of threatening. I think that's, that's great. It's, it's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and, uh, I keep joking that, you know, Benioff and Weiss, always, they don't say it directly, but, well, Benioff a couple times will say, like, we don't like to deal with themes in Game of Thrones. It's just not true. It's just not true. It's so present. And every episode usually has a series of theme, uh, scenes revolving around one kind of unifying idea or theme. Threats comes mm-hmm. up a lot in the different manner of threats and how we're spending time. You've mentioned Varys, but this is Baelish. We, look, we already don't trust Baelish for what he did to Ned. But uh, Weiss, the D.B. Weiss says in some of the extras of this is kind of the first time where you see him directly threatening someone and and, and the fear of yeah. harm is really coming from and it changes the game a little bit how we view Baelish. Yeah, th- this this episode was a good I was trying to I was trying to remember back because you get a little bit of, of Baelish of Littlefinger in like the first season, you know, obviously right. coming against Ned and, you know, don't don't you told you not to trust me kind of kind of situation. So you already kind of know what a slippery little dude he is. But this 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 <laughs> yeah. is, I think, the first time you get to see him in his world. Like him, he's all, every time before this, you always saw him in the street. You saw him at King's Land, like not at King's Landing, but like at the Red Keep, like in Mm -hmm. the castle, in someone else's world and kind of operating within it. This is, I think, the first time you get to see really like his brothel, how he operates it, how it's operated with like, you know, Mm. sex and someone else watching this sex and someone else being upset about the sex. And it was just, it was crazy. Mm. And him like, you know, sending over the, the girl and how he operates. And it's not, you know, Iron Fist. It's more just like poisoned, poisoned dart inside of a velvet glove. Yeah. Well, it's makes a crappy metaphor. No, it's not crappy. Who doesn't love a velvet (laughs) glove? Uh, Yeah. No, you're right. And not to say that what he what he did in season one was light and fluffy and fun. The the treachery uh, on Ned Stark was was not good. We but like it's the tone really shifts here. And it, it's a good old little finger in the in the brothel, the, the you know little whorehouse in King's Landing, right? It's like now, it's like oh, this is definitely not a good dude. And but you also the the famous sex position scene from season uh, one, episode seven, where he explains, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna f him." Now you're starting to see it and and how he uses sex as as power over a lot mm-hmm. of these folks. So and threats. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's dark. It's dark Baelish. Yeah, it's dark Baelish. It's it's yeah. it's the type of darkness from Baelish that I think this is the first time we're getting a, a good look at. I believe. Yeah. And the nature of the threats you, in you, his element, in his in his element, his world. This, yeah, you're right. This is not again Baelish, Baelish in the small council. I'm just I'm just pushing numbers around a, a page. Right, right. This is something different. Uh, and he, again, the theme of threats. So glad you brought it up because how 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 you threaten, but also why. And you mentioned Tyrion, his threat to Varys. And then later mm-hmm. on, his, his threats that he carries out on Janice Flint, they they mm-hmm. come from a point of honor for Tyrion. He's protecting Shay and one, kind of not just just not happy the lack of honor. There's no honor, Janice Flint, and unhappy what happened. And and how you use your threats in this world is is a pretty important thing on on your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to. You know, not just not just threaten, but be able to immediately carry them out. Right, mm-hmm. like Janice. Janice tries to parry. I have friends at court. I, I'm going to try to come back at you and you can't do this. And just immediately being slapped down by yep. Tyrion was very satisfying. We, we, we love. He's a, such an asshole. He's such a weasel. He, he is. He's I, I, I wrote down because we, we also are going to be talking about uh, favorite moments and scenes and lines a little bit later. But mm-hmm. 
I'll just say it now. Like watching him get his at any point. I, 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 shout out to to uh, uh, the performer um, uh, Dominic Carter, who uh, the actor who portrays him, mm-hmm. because Dominic Carter does such a great job. But if you just want you just want to you don't just want to punch this character. You want to murder him. <laughs> oh yeah, but like slowly. Yeah, over and, a long period of time. And I love hopefully by people smaller than him. His yeah his yeah his recurring kind of uh, motif of always like I, I, I have powerful friends. He's that guy. He does it at the wall. Yeah. He does it here. Doesn't change. I love that. Oh, he's such a jerk. Um, it's, it's 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 always fun to watch. I mean, it's such a Tyrion heavy episode, and it really is. It, I mean, I'm not in for, You know, I'm not sure if this this counts as a theme. So maybe we can we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Awesome. But to see the difference between how he is able to act with Varys when he is being threatened mm-hmm. versus Janos, where he knows he has all the power, versus Cersei where he thinks he might be on more equal terms with her and she very quickly is able to hurt him like only family can. Yeah. Um, you could also, I mean, you could also use that, that as a theme as well as just how family can hurt you because you do get mm-hmm. that both with Tyrion and Cersei and then obviously with Balon and uh, Theon. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a theme. I absolutely think it is. Uh, we get some powerful Theon stuff. Uh, that factors in some of the the themes uh, I've I've picked out, but but uh, the that Cersei scene. Look, I, anytime Tyrion and Cersei are, are bantering in season two, you get a ton of it. They're so good together mm-hmm. as performers, uh, Dinklage and, and Heedy, but just as characters. And then when she's like, "Oh, you're funny, you're funny, you've always been funny," and then just comes out with that, and venom. then just growl. I mean, whole with like I, I, coming at him with like. Mm a machete to the heart, like just literally, I cannot think of a single more brutal thing she could have said than you killed our mother. Like you, the best joke you ever told was you killing our mother as you came out of her. And it's like, holy crap, girl. She is, she's just, I mean, he was needling her about Jamie, you know, like uh, falling onto Jamie a lot as I hear. And, and she just came back at him Harsh. with like not even a slap, but just like a freaking sledgehammer. And it's and it and I'd love to discuss uh, Cersei with anybody, but Cersei with you here. What you think? You know, a lot of stuff in season one. I just I still feel uh, you understand a lot of where Cersei comes from, and to see where her pain started this early, and how you deal with pain. You know, I don't consider Cersei on the good team. You know, she makes. A lot of bad decisions and does horrible things, but I always have sympathy and empathy and understand where she came from. And to have that, this is kind of the first moment and see where, how she's processed that trauma into just venom. It just, it, yeah. it kind of breaks my heart in a way. Poor Cersei. A little bit, but that was her, that was her decision to interpret it that way it and to let it affect her that way. And yeah. That's a that's a conscious choice. I feel. I totally. This is why I don't have uh, you know the the ending. I'm good with you know, but I, I do enjoy mm-hmm. the character and and still think we're rooting for her in season six with that sip of wine. We're all cheering, even though she killed some people. We like. I mean, she's she's a she's a great badass. Yeah. Horrible person to occasionally yeah. root for. It's wonderful. Because man, she she just does it so well. She does it so well. She's so good. Oh, she's the best. Just tells a story with every every uh, bit of uh, uh, just eye movement, mouth movement, everything. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're an actor yourself. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the story is behind your eyes a lot with the decisions as an actor. And Lena Hetty is queen. She's queen. Queen. So one of the themes I want to toss is that you here uh, is uh, this idea of who, who you really are and how this comes up a lot. And it's a great weapon. It's a powerful tool. And it's very important on the journey, even even mentioning Cersei about the journey forward or the slide back. Uh, and along the way, I mean, we get uh, just from starting of, of who you really are. Arya is a girl uh, and she's got to mm-hmm. hide that identity playing in the land. Uh, we, we get John at the end is going to learn like who Craster really, like really, really is, mm-hmm. which feeds into some great episode three stuff. We'll uh, be discussing on the show. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll roll through some of it here. Varys and Tyrion kind of knowing who, who they are, getting past that, uh, and uh, while also hiding who Shay really is, who you really mm-hmm. are, is key. And then uh, you mentioned the, the Theon uh, stuff with Yara, which is, oddly enough, one of the more uncomfortable scenes in Game of Thrones, <laughs> once you know the whole thing, watching Theon I, I was and Yara. Surprised. I mean, I was uncomfortable, because obviously I, I knew the first time I watched it, but yes. like, just from just from the books, but also, I it just... You, although you weren't a hundred percent sure just mm. because they did give her a different name too. And that took me a second, but like it, it you knew who she was. And this, this rewatch, I was like, Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, oh, no, oh, oh, no, why, no, why, yeah. no. Because I had to, oh. I had to. I mean, everything in this episode is designed to make you feel uncomfortable about Theon, though. Like the way he totally. treats the, the the chick on the boat. Yeah. It, it's, it's so gross well, and it's so disgusting. And then to have it turned around on yeah. him, you still don't feel good about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. No. And when, I, it, when you do find out who she is. Yeah. And I absolutely want to put a, a, a pin in the, in, in the, in the sex as a weapon conversation because it's very mm-hmm. prevalent in this episode in a show that's especially early on known for sex position and you know, boobs and dragons and all those kind of things you've heard about it. Mm-hmm. This episode really leans into it in, 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 in some uncomfortable ways where even, you know, uh, you know, so even for me, like I, uh, you know, rooting for all the sex in Game of Thrones, but just the idea of just like, it's like, where are you going with this? Yeah. Even, <laughs> even, for the, even for this show, you've gone too far in some areas uh, on some of that. So we'll, we'll come back and uh, come back to come back. Sex in this, in this particular episode was just gross. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. Let's dive into it. I, this is great. Uh, well, not great. Um, it's just a little gross. The theme, the, the scene with, with uh, Theon and the ship captain's daughter is uh, uncomfortable, painful. Uh, it is, again, his, his, it, we get it with Theon. It, you know, this is what happens with him and Ramsay later on, but just how he views his power wrapped up in sex and what he can and can't do and just the, the lack of compassion carrying any, it's, 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 it's gross. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's set up, it's, it's, I mean, the sex, it's a, it's a true sex position scene, right? Because like, not only are you getting sex throughout the whole thing, but also just like the whole time Theon's freaking talking about, because he can't shut up, can't shut up up. about, you know, who he thinks he is and who his Mm -hmm. bloodline is and how important he is and Mm -hmm. how they, how he treats women. And and it's just, this is, this is what my people do. And And it's just, it's, it's. It's, well, I mean, I guess it's good as sex position scenes go. No, please go ahead. No, no, no. It's good. But, it, but that flows right into even some of the stuff I was talking about, about who you really are and how Yara says, she literally says, I needed to know who you are, brother. And, and he's, you know, quite frankly, assaulting her on that horse. Uh, you know, she's, she's playing it different, but she, you know, he's using that. Uh, and this is who Theon is at this time. We know what's going to happen to him. But yeah, it's, it's all, I, I, and it's not on this particular stuff. It's not that I don't want this kind of uncomfortable stuff here, these uncomfortable scenes. And you can, I can make jokes about, you know, watching this. I wouldn't watch this show with my parents ever, but um, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it has, pur- I think those particular, they have purpose. It just, even for this show is just like, you kind of go like, Oh man, I don't, it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to see that now. Yeah. No. Why? And I you, mean, you just, you feel bad for, you feel bad for the salt wife girl for the, for the, the captain's daughter. Yeah. She's just like, Oh, you, what are you doing to yourself here, girl? And, yeah. And this, but yeah, this it's world. go ahead. No, no. in this world that she's in and, and that flows right into, you know, the, the Baylor stuff we, we've been talking about the threat, but I want I mean, it's gratuitous. I think it's gratuitous in the sense of with Sahara uh, Knight uh, coming out and him cleaning her face and all this stuff. But like, it's it's it does fit in with Baelish about like what mm-hmm. what he knows he's selling and what he's getting away with, and just how they everyone is ready to just not even look beyond beyond the corner of what he's selling. Um, so it makes sense. It makes sense. But even mm-hmm. it's, you're just kind of like. Yeah, I don't know. Too too early in the day for this. Uh, you know, <laughs> a little bit. I was yeah. like, oh, it's eleven in the morning. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I will. I just going back to the the Theon thing yeah. for a little bit because Theon, you and I have talked about this. Um, Theon, I don't mm. like him, but he is one of my absolute favorite characters in this show because his the the position that Theon is put in mm. pretty much throughout both the books and the show is just rocking a hard place yeah. the whole time. Whole time. And 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 I mean obviously, you know, a lot of that falls on his shoulders. A lot of that is through the choices that he made. I'm totally. not saying all of this just happened to him and he's an innocent victim. However, yeah. it, this was this episode was really good because it really did this started the setup of what's going to be kind of his whole defining thing for like the next two seasons mm-hmm. uh until Ramsey gets a hold of him basically of this difference of what am i a wolf or am i a squid like the people that raised him well but he always felt out of place and then to realize that the people that he thought would welcome him with open arms don't at all because they think he does belong to the wolves like it's just any there is he's not going to have a good choice in this even though obviously at this point he should have just been like nope team rob we're good let's just yeah let's do this well it's it's uh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, Theon Theon you you it's easy to root against him at times because of the choices he does. Uh mm-hmm. but yeah, t- especially on the rewatch going through season 1 where he just, you know, the, the the king of the north 
scene in episode 10 where he's just like, am I your brother? And Rob's like, yeah, yeah, you're my brother, even though they've already had some squabbles before then. And you just know what's coming. It's like, that's all he wanted. Yeah. And, and he, and I talk about a theme of who you really are. If Theon could have come to terms with that early on, that is what I mean. It's an important tool on the journey forward if you use it right, or you can use it to slide back. And and so I get what you're saying where you're just like, it's, it's you, your heart breaks for him at times. It does. And that's why, I mean, Alfie Allen just does a phenomenal job with this because you do, you go from hating him in the beginning and they want you to hate him yeah. from that, just that scene with, with the salt wife and, mm-hmm. and then with Yara, cause he's just acting so gross. Yeah. And then he goes in and is treated like this from his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it, it, and you feel bad for him. You do feel bad for him. And it, yeah. it, it would be, it's an interesting take on, some people's relationships with like abusive relationships because yeah, if all he wanted was love and acceptance, like Rob was offering him that he had that with Ned's family. Mm -hmm. And if he could have turned his, if he could have seen what was happening and what his family was going to ask him to, his his blood family was going to ask him to do um, and, and been able to turn away from that and be on team Rob, like obviously, you know, everything, Mm -hmm. We always go back to okay. What was the tipping point? What what yeah. where? What was the choice that was made where this all could have turned out okay? And you just kind of keep moving backwards and backwards and backwards because you're like, oh, that's just one bad decision after another. Yeah, yeah. And then he burns that letter, which we're getting to uh, in this uh, season. Uh, yeah, just uh, you know him trying to put on the airs of power. And look at his father, nine years, and that great. Line, it's a great line. I I I uh, back in the day, I've mentioned before, but like I was uh, I was in that uh, School of Thrones web series that went out with Zach Grafton and Mercer and all those, and I played. Uh, oh yeah, I played Coach Balon Greyjoy, and so I had a, <laughs> a, a, of the swim team, and I had to uh, study the scene and just uh, to to uh, I, I watched that line, uh, you know, how, and how does that make you feel over and over and over to the point where I almost kind of thought I liked Balon, but he's pretty despicable in a different kind of of way. He's playing the the game. He's rebelled before. I get all that, mm-hmm. but but he is uh, similar to what brings down Tywin in the end. Just the way it comes from within, and and uh, he deserves a lot with a lot of the bad stuff that goes his way. Uh, though Patrick, he's just uh, so salty. Salty. Excuse the pun, but he yeah. is salty. He is salty. Patrick uh, Maldehyde is uh, the actor that uh, plays him. Got to give him uh, credit for that because he plays him so well. When he's when you're so good at uh, being uh, hated, uh, I think that mm-hmm. you just deserve credit as an actor. Uh, so that's some of the stuff there. Yeah, uh, who you really are just keeps going up. And 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 we talked about a lot in uh, episode ten of season one, the final one of just uh, trauma moving forward and and learning and facing reality of what is or what actually is. So there's some of that here, but I think and this time it's wrapped about knowing who you really are and how how that can hurt you or that could be. Can, uh, I, powerful. can I just say I'm I'm actually shocked uh, when we're talking about all these scenes of of knowing who you are. You have not mentioned your main guy. Oh, well, you know, I want to do a... a Two special. main guys. You haven't mentioned Davos or Stannis. Well, we're going to get to that here. Well, here I'll tell you what. Here's my notes on Davos. Davos, I mentioned up top, who, who you really are can be a great weapon. I think Tyrion knows who he is. And in this episode with the Janos Slint stuff, it's him going, you know, I'm really good at this. I'm good at this. and I'm starting to like it. And my dad's giving me some power. I got, really, I got dad issues, but I'm good at this. Uh, it's a powerful tool. And then what, how you, if you know who other people really are, it's a great tool. And, and Davos, this is the first big Davos speech we get with Salador's son of, mm-hmm. I don't know much. I'm just a crabber's son, but let me lay some truth on you. Uh, Davos mm-hmm. knows who Salador's son is, knows uh, a lot of things and, and uses it as a, as a great tool and weapon too. So we can start that conversation. I didn't want to just dump Stannis on uh-huh. your lap quite yet. No, it's fine. You can't, you can't go through this episode without talking about Stannis and Davos. And actually like I, you know, Davos's speech about who Stannis is, mm-hmm. I think is some of the best writing um, in this episode because it's, it's, you know, him, him talking to his son mm-hmm. about who the true God is and, and Davos yeah. sailing all over and seeing people worship all types of gods, whatever. And he's just like, no, like, like Stannis is the one true God to me. Like yeah. everything that I have, everything that you've been given has mm-hmm. come from him. It didn't come from, a, you know, a God somewhere. Like it came yeah. from Stannis and, and like, I've, what is it? So, and I think Sa- Salador San even makes fun of it. He's like, cuts a man's fingers off. He loves, he falls in love with him. It's, it's, it's really funny. It's really yeah. funny. And it, and it, it simultaneously shows 
who Stannis is, who Davos thinks Stannis is, and who Davos is. And I, I really, really liked that that little scene with them. It's good. It's glad to hear you say something kind of positive about Stannis. Um, yeah. well, well, I, 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 Davos's opinion helps. It helps a little bit here. And, and uh, Lucian uh, Samadhi is uh, Seldar's son. Great as well there, too. Well, so here's the thing. And, and, we'll get back to him when we're talking our favorite lines. Favorite lines? Great. Um, oh, yeah. To, to, well, to kind of wrap up the themes there here, too, we got the sex is a weapon thing, Melisandre, and it's been... Um, I was just going to say. Yeah, and Chris Van Houten has said, uh, she says, look, that, that uh, you know, that's a, a definitely a weapon that uh, uh, Melisandre has. She uses it time and time again. And then Chris Van Houten says, I did eventually tell the producers, she seems to use it a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, change that a little bit. Uh, hey, look, I mean, she she made her she didn't make herself look like a seventy year old man. Yeah. She made herself look like a super super yeah. hot redheaded woman. Yeah. So, so there you go. More connections with me and Stannis. But uh, you know, you take the uh, you take that uh, yeah take the necklace off, uh, uh, Melisandre. No, um, yeah. but she uses it, and and so I. Jokes aside, I do love Stannis Baratheon. There's a lot I identify with, which people always raise their eyebrows and go, what? But here's another thing. I love learning lessons from characters, and I love what they represent. And I'll say this a lot. We, we, we talked about it last week on uh, season uh, two, episode one, uh, 11th overall in the series. But Stannis represents, he, he, to me, he does know who he is at the beginning of this. And mm-hmm. do, people like Davos do talk about uh, something. He's definitely not popular. He's definitely not loved. He's definitely not friendly and warm. And neither is Stephen Delane. Um, uh, but um, he knows he Stannis knows who he is, and he knows what he thinks he wants. And slowly starts to lose it. We meet him. He's burning gods, and Maester Crescent is like, "This isn't you." And Davos is like, "It isn't you." And here, here's week two. And the first thing to me that he really does, because he doesn't, to me, he doesn't believe it. I don't know what you feel. He's saying, I've said the words, damn you. No, yeah, I don't think he believes he it. He doesn't believe really. it. He's like, I gave him out service. Give me, give me the flaming sword and I got it. He breaks his marital vow. I know he's got a weird situation at home, but he, he said, I don't know. I'm married. I don't do this. I don't do this. I'm Stannis. I don't do that. I do my duty. I keep my vows. And, 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 and it slips. Uh, it, 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 it's the first fall. And, and and what you become obsessed with, what you want, you might start sacrificing who you are. And that's one of the things I still love, Stannis, the character, because it does it, – it's, it's a valuable lesson to me. Um, maybe well, not to you, but to me. Yeah, it, it's just one thing – but it's just one thing after another with him, right? Like it's, it's, it's funny to me that a character whose main defining trait – is the unyieldingness, right? Yes. The, the, the refusal to, to give in, the, everything. And yet it, it really seems as you go through the seasons that all he does is give in. He just slowly, step by step, mm-hmm. you know, he gives, he gives in to burning the gods, mm-hmm. uh, gives in to sleeping with Melisandre. He eventually gives in to burning his own daughter. Like, it's just, it, it there's no line for him. I mean, you, you had, I mean, you, you know, is. I guess you're right. That wasn't a good thing. Just saying, just saying. No, it's cool. That's you know, keep your fanboy appreciation of someone who burns his daughter alive. That's cool. Believe me, it's because uh, remember that uh, rem- none of us had uh, gone that far in the books because it's not there yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so happy because they gave Stannis so many great moments leading up to that so so many tender moments with Shireen and uh-huh. and the, the funny grammar correction moment moment at the wall. I and- love that moment so much. That that moment comes up in my everyday life <laughs> yeah. every every time yeah. someone uses the word less. <laughs> Uh, incorrectly, every his voice is in my freaking head, just yeah. being like fewer, uh, fewer, and, well, oh, forever, and, ever and, is in my head. And Stephen Delayed, I don't know if he does this. I have to see if he does this uh, as Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. But he just he acts out of the side of his mouth a lot. He has that he has that like that thing. He's like fewer. I just love it. Anyways, um, yeah. So the Santa stuff is is uh, is great for me in the sense of just like. Going back and knowing where his story ends up, but taking and, and knowing what he does, which is which is horrendous, and he gets what is coming to him. Uh, yeah. But to go back to the beginning, as uh, I always say, he's a little bit of the prodigal son brother syndrome. The stuff with Renly, and I did my job. I did my job. The throne is mine, and how that consumed him. And here is to me the actual first moment. Even though again he burned the gods, he doesn't care. He, he's not because Renly says later on, "Oh, I, I, in your old age, you're becoming religious." He's he's never been that. 
No. This is the first slip on that stone. I'm not uh, sure. Does he ever actually become like a true believer? It's hard to say. I mean, maybe after, possibly after a little bit, like in Winterfell. I mean, yeah, I after so. burning the daughter in the snows break. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure that's a true believer necessarily. It's more just, it, it feels a lot more transactional rather still, than uh, an actual like faith. I mean, he, yeah, I, I, cause it's, it's, it's for vainglory. I burn my daughter. Snows melt. Yeah, it's it, it's for vainglory. It's for himself. It's it's the when he at the end of this season, uh, you know, he's staring into the flames and sees something and he believes it. I, but I still think you're right. I, I still transactional is a good word. It's just like you know she you know and and Melisandre's her powers are are great at times. Her powers are false at times and and, and sometimes wrong, and which is part of her journey. Um, it's kind of usually wrong. Usually, <laughs> or just being misinterpreted. I suppose it, no. it's, everything gets murky at the end. It does uh, murky, about yeah. what everything actually meant. Yeah, but oh yeah. Also, um, he was fine with uh, killing his brother. Fine with that. Totally fine with killing his younger brother. Just yes, saying. yes. Your favorite character. He. <laughs> yes, but I think in the end, I mean, Total I think you know. side. I think he knows he, that 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 final and moment. Infanticide too is that is that a word when he, you kill your kid? He's, infanticide. He's done. He's done all the sides. He has done. He has done all these sides. He's done them all. He's all um, the sides. He's all the sides. He's all the sides. All the sides. All the sides. All the sides are belong to Stannis. But he he was the only one willing to go north, Michelle, and you know it. You know it in your heart. You know it in your heart. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Is that is that the part where? He wanted to burn Mance Raider alive. Is that 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 one? You know, Mance did some things. I love Mance, but Mance did some things. Uh, look, yeah, end of season four was I was I was you know you you didn't we we knew each other but didn't know each other back then. I was riding high at the end of season four, telling everyone, look at the greatness that is Stannis Baratheon. He has saved the day. The moment has come. Eh, you know, he saved the baby-faced IKEA rug-wearing prince in the north. <laughs> hey, I, gotta, I, got, I gotta go to IKEA today. I'll buy myself a, a <laughs> every Snow rug. time I see Kid Harrington, I'm like, "Hey, that's an IKEA rug." <laughs> IKEA rug. All right, so that's our look at some of the themes there. Any other themes that popped out? We talked about sex as a weapon, who you are, uh, threats. Great theme. Anything else uh, before we move Although, on? To be fair, I think threats could really be the overarching theme of Game of Thrones. So they're uh, just, just going to point that out. It's not really a no. that's not really an episode right specific theme per se. True, but but but, but you're you're very right though. I, I think oh, it's actually it's yeah. Sorry, no. Go ahead. Go I ahead. No, go no. Ahead. You got you got the, uh, you got the cat ears. You got the power. I, <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, I knew it all along. Uh, the When you're talking about who you are, Tyrion uh, uh, Bronn has a really good moment when you're talking about themes of who you really are. Yeah. After he's had his fun with Jano Slint and he just, you know, he gets this look of like kind of questioning who his own allies are and mm-hmm. questioning Bronn about, you know, would you kill an infant without any questions? And Bronn's like, no, my dad's how much? Yeah. And just that look on Tyrion's face is doing a lot of work. In, uh, in 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 the acting world, and it's 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 really good mm-hmm. from him, from I'm Peter Dinklage on that. So glad you brought that up because I actually um, uh, was going to make a note and kind of forgot. Uh, that's a great point. I was going to straight up ask you uh, what what do you think's going through Tyrion's head there? Because it doesn't look like a <laughs> good one, Braun. It's like oh, I think, you know? I think Tyrion's having a bit of a spaceballs moment there, where he's like, "I'm surrounded by assholes." It's just. <laughs> I, to me, it's like, oh, it's not just my enemies and these people I can kick out that are jerks. It's my allies, too. Crap. Yeah. yeah. And surrounded by it. Well, it's funny because up, up top, Varys talks about, you know, and I love the you know, the relationship with Varys and Tyrion grows from here, which is is interesting. But the, Varys is talking about friendship with, with Shay, and it's good to have friends. And we could look at that as Varys just kind of playing some games there with Tyrion, but he's scary enough. It is a threat. He He's there with Shay. So right, right then and there, that's a problem for Tyrion, but knowing that they'll become friends, but just how it is valuable. And Tyrion probably in that Bronn moment is, is like, Oh boy, I don't know who I have was, around. Here. The, the Bronn moment was after the Bronn moment was after the thing with Shay, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it, it makes sense because you know, with, with Varys talking about friends and keeping friends at court, mm. It, it it makes sense for Tyrion to sort of check in on who his friends are, who right. he thinks his friends are, yeah. and who they actually are. 
I, I, I like all of that. Agreed. And, and if I, it's, it's, it's weird. I think it carries over into episode three, but the John Snow stuff at the end with Craster, that's a great uh, detective kind of mystery solved. And we've been dealing with, I think it's a bit of John just not minding his own business. I mean, true, true. Well, Come on, man, you had one job. In terms of like knowing who you really are, but also talking about end of season one of of knowing what really is. And he's learning the truth of who Craster really is, which factors into learning complicated way, uh, in a complicated way, who Jormormon is, a great man doing what he's got to do. But knowing already and how that is a truth he can take demands later on, even though he's still... I'd say love and respects Gior Mormon. Um, that's an interesting too. Disillusioned by Gior and also the the Night's Watch and Night's yeah. Watch in general. That he's yeah. already kind of had totally. to accept a little bit when he when he got up to the wall and he's like, "Oh wait, these aren't the best of the best." That's the best. Yeah, it's, not, it's not an all star team of honorable men up there. Uh, let's yeah. uh, move into important foreshadowing things with more meaning now. This, of course. Uh, uh, if you've been uh, listening on the rewatch, this is what we do here. If you're kind of joining now, uh, Game of Thrones, without a doubt, I love looking at the themes and the lessons, maybe even more than the plot points and the revelations, but that's part of the fun. I wore an R plus L equals J t-shirt for a very <laughs> long time. Uh, and, and looking back now that we have eight seasons of this story, totally aware that the book's going to go different, that George loves digging even a little bit more. And, and the show probably just couldn't do that as much. Uh, they, they needed to, to cut some of that out and just focus on the, the heart of the story they were telling. But there's definitely more foreshadowing and also just little things that you look back and sometimes your heart breaks because it means more now or you kind of get the, uh, get the, the, where it uh, lies in terms of the story. So what do you have any, uh, you have any in sh- uh, foreshadowing moments uh, that you want to talk about? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, at this point, isn't everything that you see just sort of True. comes with foreshadowing because you're like, oh, I know where that's going to end up. But one one tiny moment that 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 uh, popped out to me actually was, uh, I think it's the very first time you see Tyrion in the episode. Maybe he's whistling "Reigns of Castamere," yeah. which I'm not entirely sure I caught the first time that I watched. Which uh, I I always appreciate the littler the littler moments and the littler things yeah. that happen. I think. Like because he whistles in season one and it's not when Rains of Casimir. I can confirm that because I, in my head, I always thought it was back then. It wasn't. I think this is the first time. Some, it might be the first time we hear Rains yeah. of Casimir because I don't, I don't think, and I, I haven't done a season one rewatch in quite some time, but I don't think we heard Rains of Casimir in the first season. Right. Someone in comments, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, please correct us, but I, I, and we'll, we'll see after the show because it's not a live tape show. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and I just love that too. And yeah, it has great meaning, but also just the, you didn't, at the time, you're just not picking up no, on you're it. Just like it's, he's whistling a tune, yeah. whatever. Done yeah. count. Good and that's, uh, you can't, you can't do a rewatch and not hear that song. Yeah. Um, Everywhere it pops up now, which is great. Yeah, I always, I love how I love how often they actually insert it into the show, without you realizing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then just also directly, you know, uh, I'm also kind of uh, this is a, my professional rewatch is in season two. My personal ones now in season three. Grace and I are watching ahead and then, so we're in season three, and mm-hmm. uh, just the great scene with with Marjorie and and, and Cersei just explaining raids of Casimir going into it. That's the first time I, as a fan, was just like, oh, this song means something, which sets you up perfectly <laughs> for what goes yeah. on later on. Um, awesome. Any other little moments? I do have one that's kind of bigger out of this, but love to talk about some Me of the too. little ones. Talk no, about no, Stannis. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, in Baelish, this definitely has more meaning than that long-winded thread, as you said, basic, basically telling Roz how her life's going to end. And I do love the character of Roz. I'd love Ismay Bianca just kind of fighting her way on and you know this you know this as, as an actor you get it you get a gig it's a one one day thing and they like you enough they like what you're doing to the character and they keep writing you forward um so i think she did a great job and then but to, to hear more in yeah, my life yeah, yeah to hear this scene to see the scene and kind of know where it ends up sad for me i like Ross. yes that yeah i'm i'm not you know what even on this rewatch i'm not sure i i was not thinking about that i was i was thinking more about yeah the threats and mm-hmm. oh well, my god baelish god uh, get to the yeah. point already, but you were totally right. He, uh, I, I'd completely forgotten that is exactly where Roz ends up, mm. ends up selling her to someone that would not, and, and would use her in ways that would not occur to most men. Yeah. Not good. Uh, Poor Roz. Poor yeah. Roz. It's, um, uh, it's not a good, not a good, not a good way to die. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's not. Um, Varys, uh, talking about, uh, friends and friendship with Tyrion. I mentioned that and, and just, you know, oh guys, they, they do become friends at the end of season two. They have that great moment. You know, I like that moment. Uh, 
Do you, do you consider them being friends eventually? I, I do. I really think they do. I really think they come to to love and respect each other in their own way. And the fact that the show uses them because there is the twist of, of Varys now going east and you get to see them together. I, I think there's a friendship there. Much like Braun and Tyrion do have a, a, a friend, an orthodox friendship, but they got a friendship. Same with Pod. I, and that's the thing. I just I think friends is a little too strong of a word to use when you're talking about either Varys or Braun. But I hey, I enjoyed the Tyrion that's and fair. Varys Roadshow as much as the next girl. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Later on in later seasons. This absolutely. One, this one here. What do you think about this? Cersei. I love this little scene when when they get the letter from the Night's Watch, the the the, the, the message, and uh, you know Tyrion still doesn't necessarily believe in Grumpkins and Snarks, but he also has a different, I think, point of view in, on it now. Um, and knowing that Mormont doesn't lie and cold winds are rising and the dead dead come with it or whatever uh, the exact quote is. I love that Cersei's just like making fun of him. She does not believe and the entire South doesn't believe. But knowing that Cersei particularly will be literally faced with this truth. I like this moment mm-hmm. a little more. I did like that moment, although I am firmly of the opinion that this is not going to happen in the book. Um, yeah. I, I hated that entire yeah. subplot line later on in the show of, oh, if we just capture a zombie and bring it back down and shove it in Cersei's face, maybe right. she'll believe it and go with it. And it just, I, I, I thought that was naive on all the characters' parts, and it was just sort of an unnecessary so. subplot to get a character where you needed him to be, i.e., you. you know, Jon Snow and everyone down in King's Landing, down I suppose, the, down there at the big parlay of uh, all stars. That's yeah, game. it was weird. Um, but- so here's this. Here's this. What do you think? We haven't really talked about Daenerys, and I'd Ooh, love to yes. throw this at you here. Um, this has been, in the rewatch, this ongoing kind of uh, looking back and uh, knowing that there was, by by this point, by season three, they're really layering in some stuff, is what Brian Cogman's saying, and how Tyrion warns us, okay. we all cheered her on. We all cheered her on. And I think, and I've been saying uh, coming out of season one, Addie's been calling into the show, one of our listeners, about uh, cheering Danny on in the Viserys moment. You, I think you absolutely should. But looking back, it's fun to just see along the way uh, what she does. And I love, you know, um, the, you know her, her blood rider comes back decapitated. The message has been sent. And George just kind of says, you know, they don't like a, 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 a female in charge. And she shoots back. They will like it far less when I'm done with them, which is a yeah. But also knowing to season six where she burns them all, uh, which is again, yeah. But where yeah, that, that kind of goes. It's really interesting you say that because to me, that scene came across as such a screaming into the void, empty threat mm-hmm. from a little girl. To, like, because one, I mean, yeah. here she is, you know, they're out of food and water. She's, she's, you know, her, her blood riders come back beheaded and mm-hmm. she's not quite understanding what that means as far as like, no, we can burn his body. And it's like, ah, you can't, you really don't have it. So it's not really the same thing. So it's like, it's just a, it, you know, she's got absolutely nothing right at her disposal and, and all these things, all these signs are so bleak. And yet she's still kind of like, I will destroy you all. And they're just like, how <laughs> I will burn cities to the ground. Um, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, and yes, yeah. eventually, obviously, she does come back and, and it, it, you know, against all odds and her dragons grow and everything. I just I thought it was such an interesting for this moment in the show where she is. It feels like going back to the theme feels like such an empty threat, like all of the things she's been saying mm. so far is is just it, it sounds very this sounded very hollow to me I, and very like a little girl trying to. I to don't throw uh, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I actually like what you're saying. It kind of combines a lot of it about maybe knowing who she wants to be more than who she is, knowing that, you know, frustra- it's definitely frustrating. And also mm-hmm. it's a little bit of her nature. This is what's boiling below the surface often with her. I'm thinking of the stuff. I love the stuff in Karth when she gets there. I actually really love the Spice Trader, just some of the scenes with her. And, and, he's, and he's despicable in his own way, but he's also speaking some truth in his own way. And when she, she's, you know, we'll burn cities to the ground. And she's, it's starting uh, to, it's starting it's start, uh, that that the the chick with the with the cage over her face that went absolutely nowhere. Um, remember the the prophet? Oh, yeah, yeah, the prophet? yeah, yeah, yeah. Quaith, yeah, uh, yeah, Quaith, Quaith, yeah, However you say her name, yeah, yeah. Um, that just kind of went nowhere. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, she she does. You're right. It, it, Danny Danny does a lot of this. It, it seems almost like from sheer force of will. Yeah, and I do and and knowing that happens is great and and impressive. I just mean 
yeah, for this particular moment in time, it felt very, it felt very empty. Well, no, but I think that's kind of where I'm getting to too, is like, you take all yeah, those yeah. themes, take all the themes and p- take it to your threat theme of just like at this, at this point, she is another character in this episode making a threat and hers at this point is absolutely the weakest. Yeah. Uh, you look at the facts, look at around, uh, look at what's going on. I love Jorah, but only his sword is only worth so much at this point. Uh, and those dragons, like I said, Chihuahua sized. Uh, so yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think you're onto something there about, uh, you know, I think it, it could also tie into who she becomes or who she maybe really is at this time. But, uh, you know, there's, it's a little naive in a way. Absolutely. She's still, she, I think in, in Karth, she starts to learn some, she's already learned some big lessons with Mary Mazdor and all that kind of stuff. But Karth is when it really starts to sink in, you know? I think so. Yeah. Love that stuff. So favorite, uh, you got some favorite moments, lines. You talked about things, uh, Salador Sand stuff. Uh, uh, I love uh, Varys, the big fish, eat the little fish speech, and I keep on paddling because a lot of people still think he's a merman, but you know. I just, I just, just like, I, my thought was like, do spiders paddle? I do. Is that a thing? Spiders, spiders, spiders going like this? Yeah. It also ties in with Yoren's line of like, you know, I could shave a, shave a hairy arse of a spider. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's like, again, yeah, I mean, spiders have hairless arses, but uh, I think Varys, the spider, does not. Yeah. Seems pretty hairless to me. Yeah. I, anyway. You thought about, I, a lot about spider and hair, uh, and I love it. I love it. Uh, and arses. Don't yeah. forget about the arses. And arses. And, and hairless spider arses. And hairless spider arses. After after Yorin's done with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. Um, let's say, I mean, there's a few, there's a few awesome, awesome yeah. lines and moments. And actually, actually, I'll, I'll bring up one. This is not mm-hmm. my favorite moment, but I liked this moment. Um, because we haven't really talked about all the Gilly and Sam stuff, right? Correct. Uh, at all, it was mostly just been about John. And I, you know, as as ridiculous as Sam is being, Sam the ass man, as he likes to watch women walk away. Yes. Uh, I so don't think I him. ever really picked up on that till this rewatch. I was like, just likes he likes him walking away. Okay, ass man, got it. Good job. Okay, Sam. Both of asses in this in this episode. I appreciate it. Uh, but I I, I did like the little moment with with Gilly calling Sam brave because and and I and I I'm blanking on the actor's name right now who plays Sam but um oh John, I thought it yes. was such a lovely okay. expression from him when she does that because I I really got the feeling this is probably the first time in his life that anyone has called him brave and I and she means it I think she means it I don't think she's saying it just to That's... necessarily uh you know um um, manipulate him into taking taking her with him, but I think she really does feel like he was brave, and it was it. You could see how much it meant to him. I, I like that. No, I think that's a great point. I think that's. Uh, I think I don't think you can uh, say that's a small point in, in Sam's life. I don't think, especially after season one, nobody's calling him brave at the wall. John's friendly, but no one's saying brave. Uh, especially after meeting his family in uh, what is it, season seven? Season, it's like uh, they've definitely never called him brave. Definitely not. Well, which is funny because I also write that I wrote down too of just. Um, in your uh, uh, that whole scene with the farts and everything, and then Gren talking about uh, you know maybe uh, having some. Laura's that I love. I yeah. love him so much. He's he's great. But Gren talking about uh, growing up and ended up having uh, you know relations with his uh, friend uh, who Wrestling. wasn't a, yeah wasn't a friend anymore. And Sam just looks looks off into the stars and is like, I wish I grew up on a farm. <laughs> just <I know. laughs> so much. It's just so funny. He's yeah. just it's such a, any 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 scene with. Uh, with the supporting cast of the wall makes me very happy. And Dolores Ned especially just, he's, I mean, he's, he simultaneously brings the comedy and the depression all at the same time. He's, and that's a skill. He's, let me tell you something. Uh, as someone who works in that vein of comedy, I can tell you, I, I respect what he's doing. I respect what he's doing over there. Uh, and no, and Hannah Murray as, as Gilly, uh, her and John Bradley, uh, you know, have uh, talked about how they tried to make, uh, they wanted to make sure his performance that they were making that relationship honest and, and, true and and i think you're right i think hannah hannah murray's playing it as uh um she is not as learned as and there's a lot of those conversations of you saying big fancy words to make me feel dumb but she she's got heart and she gets it and she's reacting and seeing we talk about the theme of who you really are she's seeing something in sam before he even really sees it and and i love that it's a good moment good call it's a good moment. What about you? Your turn. Um, I've got others, but your turn. Yeah, I love I love that we finally get to meet Jag and Hagar. I do love Jag and Hagar. Boy, a boy could good. make a friend. I wanted, 
wanted to ask, I couldn't remember if this was actually the first time you saw him or I, if we saw him back in the first episode. You might, you might do a rewatch of, of, of episode one. Yeah. You, you, it's odd. Cause I'm actually watching this out of order. Cause I'm pre we're pre-taping this one. Um, I think so. And you definitely, at the end of season one, you know, you, there's a man with a hood over and there's different prisoners in, in the, in the cart. Um, yeah. but, uh, the first time you hear the interaction, I love, look, I love Yorn. Francis McGee is Yorn. Um, who's just, I, I love him. I, he's in Rogue One. I wish he had even more to do in Rogue One because he's so good. But once it's nicked, there's no round, no one around here to unnick it. I just love that line. I don't know if I'll ever be in that situation in life, but I'm, I'm going to stick a little dagger someone's crotch and say that. Femoral artery. Any, <laughs> yeah. any thread to a femoral artery, I appreciate. Be like, yeah. yeah. Go for the go for the realism. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I do love the moment of sending Janice Lint North. We talked about that. I love mm-hmm. anytime Gendry is talking about Ned and, and here he is learning who Arya really is and he doesn't know who he is yet. He doesn't know it. I love when he's talking about Ned and I love, I love when there's, there's, and it's bittersweet. It's painful stuff. But anytime Arya hears people who have interacted with her father or mother or family, there's just, uh, Maisie Williams is so good. It's just because, oh, that's all she wants is to, to reconnect with home and get home and find these people again. Uh, to just have her just kind of perk up of just what, what did he say to you? And, and she even has some of those moments with the hound about Sansa yeah. and everything. I, I just love those moments with Arya. Yeah, and you also, I mean, you see it come out with some of my favorite scenes later uh, with Tywin, where they're talking about her family, and it's just, oh, her, yeah. her Maisie, Maisie does brilliantly. It's Actually, true. it's I'm glad you brought up the the moment with uh, with Gendry and Arya talking, because I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. if you thought, uh, once Gendry kind of finds out who she is, and he has that whole thing of like, oh, I should be calling you milady, I should be thinking, yeah. I've seen different takes of this, and I can't figure out if he is genuinely, like, Oh no, have I like, Oh crap. I should be calling you milady. Oh no. I've been like, Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worthy. Or if he's just fucking with her the entire time, because it seems like at the end when she knocks him down and he laughs, like maybe he was making fun of her the whole time, but that doesn't, I don't know if that comes across. I think that I, I would lean towards in that moment. He's being pretty sincere about, about the pecking order and he knows it. And from flea bottom, he's, he, he knows the truth I would think, but yeah, he's got that relationship and you know, and then when it, when it ends up, you know, ends up going, you're like, Ooh, okay. Maybe he meant something else, but I don't think that at all. Um, yeah, no, at this point, not, at, not at this point for sure, but just, yeah. Um, she is a child. Yeah. No, what, and Joe Dempsey's talked about that. It's like, I had to do that scene. That was, I, that was, Tougher than you think <laughs> later on. Yeah, it would have been a bit weird for him. I yeah. get her. Like, I, her. I understand. Yeah. Totally. Totally yeah. get it. Really, on his side, I'd be like, ah. I mean, same, had the same reaction with, you know, like Padme. You're like, dude, Padme, come on. He was nine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, um, you're an angel. Um, so, yeah, great stuff. No, I, I yeah, yeah. The Gentry stuff's great. And, and, and uh, you know, I think, I think in the book, when they're describing yeah. that scene, Gendry is genuinely like, Oh no, what like oh no, like oh no, what have I done? Oh god, I've been like pissing in front of you and yeah. everything. But I'm not yeah. What do you spirit, what do you think? I, no, I think the spirit's there. I th- I think it's sincere. I, I think he is kind of befuddled, like, oh oh, what have I done? It's just the pecking order. And he's lived that pecking order uh, in, in flea bottom, even though okay. uh what you know, we know who he is and, and he'll get there. But um yeah, no, I like that. Uh I think I think uh it's fun to read different things, but I think he's sincere. Okay, fair enough. It came it came across just be when she pushes him down and he laughs, I was like, Oh yeah. Was he- was he was he messing with her the whole time? Maybe he was. That just wasn't coming across well. I don't know. Different way of seeing it. Yeah, uh, different on the rewatch. Final one for me. I love the Cersei and Tyrion banter, like I said. But she's got that great quote. I'm paraphrasing slightly here, but lying on a leader uh, ruling is uh, you know lying on a bed of weeds, ripping them out one by one before they kill you in your sleep. By the root. By the root. Thank you. Not by the root. Thank you. Uh, I'd missed that in a trivia question. Um, Love that. I love that. That's her view of it. And it's not necessarily wrong, especially for this world. I always go to Alistair Thorne's uh, speech on leadership and I'm like, no, I think he's, I think he's got some hard truths there. Um, I love that. And again, insight into who Cersei is and what she feels this world is. Mm -hmm. 100%. I I love any scene with Tyrion and Cersei. Absolutely. And I think I brought up the the moment before um, where, you know, he, he's kind of, poking fun of her and Jamie and it's not like the worst cut in the world and it's not the most clever joke in the world, but she, and she just comes back at him with the most devastating hurtful blow that I think could be possibly said to him. And I, I don't know about it being a favorite moment, but wow. Like I was just blown away by that. Yeah. Especially on the, just, and, and, and knowing that, you know, after this, they don't, 
I mean, they get a couple more seasons together, but after a while, it's you know until until the end, they don't really communicate uh, and their connection and and and, and, mm-hmm. and it's twisted. It's it's family. It's what you do with family. How family hurts. You you brought that up. I think it's a great point. But yeah, yeah, them yeah. together because because they're friends too in real life and, and they've mm-hmm. known each other for years. It, it just it just uh, shows in these scenes. There, we're about oh, wrap, yeah about, about ready to. Oops, sorry, I cut you off. Wait, sorry, one more. I got one more. Yeah, I got one hit, more. Cause I got me. my favorite. Yeah, I got my favorite. Hit me because there's a moment with. The Davos and the Salador Sand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Davos's son, and they're talking. And Salador Sand is coming in, talking about how he he wants to come in and, and fuck the queen. Mm-hmm. He wants to he wants to uh, he wants to have sex with with Cersei. He's got some dreams. And the, son get, and the son gets so offended by it, and Salador Sand comes back with like, "You don't know how persuasive I am. I've never tried to fuck you." <laughs> I'm just like, I was like, "Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. It's so funny." Yes. So, it's, it's so perfect to take advantage of this kid who's just so yeah. black and white about everything and just take the piss out of him completely. And it's just oh, Matt, those, such a great little moment. I loved it. That that line genuinely made me laugh. No, Salador Sand is just, you know, he's he's in the background of the show, uh, you know, in, in, in the books for, for the most part. I, I know it's a little different. Uh, you know, and, and Dorea kind of talking about him in the bathtub scene, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. indirectly mentioned a pirate with, with, the, with the colors. And you see him. No, I love all this. Stuff I love I love when he recovers uh, in season three, recovers Davos after the war. And just kind of like, you know, you, you've been to five of my weddings and just the banter they have. Uh, so glad they bring him so back great. every time he shows up. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. So as, as we start to wrap up, I always like to highlight episode stars. This could be actors uh, in the lead, actors on the side. Uh, someone you want to give credit to. Uh, I always shout out Ismay uh, Bianca Bianco as, as Roz. I just think she's just so good and, and a lot of emotions and, and rawness in this scene. And for me also, Amrita Acharya, uh, who doesn't get a lot of credit as Eerie. Uh, I mentioned her before, but... Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, this is heartbreaking Eerie stuff too. Really uh, good moment too. So shout out to her. Who you got? Um, I wasn't sure what you meant by this, by, uh, by episode stars. So I wasn't, I wasn't quite, That's I wasn't fair. sure what you were going for it, but I think, um, I mean, obviously I already, I literally just talked about my, my love for Salador Sand. So obviously that, yeah. uh, that particular performance is, is always, always one of my favorites. He just, uh, he brings so much other life to a scene yeah. that you don't get a lot of, you don't get a mm-hmm. lot of uh, that type of character in game of Thrones. And I thought this was a very, very good uh, introduction to, uh, to Gemma Whelan's character to Yara. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really, I really liked her. You don't get to see her do too much in this, yeah. but I think it's, it's such a good introduction to mm-hmm. a character in more, you know, like both in, in and of herself and how she interacts with Theon and also how her father treats her versus how he treats Theon. I thought, I thought all of that was very, very good. Uh, no, I'll, 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 I'll second you on that because yeah, even though this is a character that is in and out of the show and definitely is more prominence in the book and a different name in the book. Uh, but I think this introduction is so strong and it's memorable for maybe uh, creepy reasons, but e- even she addresses that. Oh, this will be a night we, we tell the grandchildren or I don't at times. Um, story for children. Yeah. Uh, she <laughs> says it. Um, but I think she makes such a powerful impression, even though the Greyjoy storyline, sometimes not people's uh, favorite and I, I understand it. And I think in the books you, you get to spend more time in the world, but uh, I liked it a lot more on the second read through in the books. And there yeah. was a lot more to do with the Greyjoys. And I think they got slighted a lot in the yeah. show. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with that. And, and you're on, Ends up not being one of my one of my favorite characters. I, I still like a lot of what's there, but um, no, I, I, I with you. But 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 she makes such a memorable impression here in the in the first episode when you see her. I think that helps kind of pull you in a little bit to to the story as best I can. Oh, also, I will say, can I just actually, you know, when you're talking about episode stars, um, I want I would I would like to make Pike my star. My my there you go. That I, this is the first time we get to see Pike, and it looks awesome. It looks like a terrible place to grow up, but it looks. <laughs> Awesome. I do like swinging bridges. There's one in my hometown of, of Aurora Grande, California. I like. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's just cool. It's just so cool built into the rock. And it's just, yeah. I mean, it's like, and it's so cool. I love, I love that it, it, it's so determines and it, and it really speaks to the characters that grew up there. It, it just, yeah. it looks exactly how you think someone who grew up there should look like it's just all of it. I love Pike. Which is, I was very happy to see Pike in the in the opening sequence in oh, the, yeah, the yeah. title sequence. Oh, I was so excited to first see it for the first time, yeah. and I was excited to see it from Theon's perspective on the ship. I love it. Pike look, is Pike is my star. I get look. I, look, here's the thing about that. I I, I think 
in the, in the in the in the story in the books and the show. I think these characters, uh, these or these places, are characters in and of themselves. They really are, and yeah. they they affect people. They they um, you know color how we see the people. Like I think an ex- that's an excellent observation about Pike, especially for you as a book reader to actually finally see it. You know, outside, and there's some great concept art. There's some great art pieces that have been around for decades. So you know, but to see it in the show, uh, I, I think uh, yeah, uh, yeah, um, it's a, it's almost like a treehouse on the ocean. <laughs> Anytime they introduce a new location in the show, I always thought they did, I think, an exceptional job. I I feel like something's niggling in my mind that there was something that I wasn't happy with, but now I can't remember what it was. But like, I mean, Eerie Eerie was awesome. Heron Hall was awesome. Heron Hall actually was maybe a little bit of a disappointment. I I was. It's so. Yeah, because you wanted to see more walls melted by dragon, and I kind of felt it was a little bigger. But some of the scenes at Heron Hall with Tywin and Arya are my favorites, so I'm willing to overlook it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, finally seeing Casterly Rock, I wouldn't. I would say, you know, wasn't by then. I've read the book by the by then. I've got. I'm ready, and it was like "Eh, okay. And they don't spend a ton of time there, so. And also, and also, actually, I think Caster. I think Caster. Oh, Casterly Rock. Yeah, I mean, we never really get to see it. Yeah, we never Um, do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with you on that. I wasn't sure what to expect really from Casterly Rock, though. Yeah, I feel like even like Via Stothrak turned out really well. I love the, all the horse stuff there. Yeah. That was cool. Um, I think King's Landing got better as the oh, show yeah. got bigger because yeah. I think you see King's Landing in the very first season, and it's not nearly as cool and impressive as when Cersei blows up half of yeah. it. No, it's season one. It's uh, it's uh, King's parking lot. It's not King's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to the to the Heron Hall thing, season two they get a little more budget. But yeah, if you would, uh, if they had the budget, season six or seven, Heron Hall might have been something else. I still, yeah, I'm with you. I, I love all the stuff there, but I, I know what you mean, especially because the the legacy and the history and the lore into that place, it's almost hard to capture. Oh, cool! Um, and I thought they did a good job with Dragonstone. I, I was, I, do like I was, of, I like Dragonstone. Love yeah. Dragonstone. I do. Yeah. Oh, they both when they kind of, yeah. I don't, this might actually, yeah, this would probably be the introduction to Dragonstone because I think it's the first time you see the map room, right? I believe so. Because you see it in the first, because you, no, you can't see it before season two because it's a Stannis thing, right? Yeah. No, you do see it in, 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 in episode one because that's where Ma- Maester Crescent uh, takes the poison, right? So Ah, uh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. But you're right. living in it. No, Dragonstone's great. And it's, and it's just great to hang out with Stannis at his house, Michelle. And I think that's what you're trying yeah, to say. That dragon on the wall is just cool, yeah, man. I, I think I, I understand. I hear what you're saying. Stannis' house, cool. Got it, got it. Um, Stannis' is a house that he took over and does not belong to him. I mean, yeah. okay. I mean, technicalities are, are you know. Ricky banged a woman, not his wife. Uh, um, I mean, again, you know. He's actually like 800 years old. I mean, again, maybe that killed his brother. These are facts that you're throwing out, but <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you he was do? okay with someone being poisoned. That's fine. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. So many things wrong. There's uh, just, yeah, but he's got a great he's a terrible person. He's, he's a terrible person. He lost his way. We all he's can terrible lose our way. person. We all could lose our way, but it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. One thing that uh, you don't do, Michelle, is lose your way when it comes to talking Game of Thrones. Love having you on the show. We're going to do it again. We got a lot of episodes to get through. We got uh, about 61 left to go here on the rewatch, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, been a lot of fun going back. Good to have you here. What is up next is What is Dead May Never Die. So if you have a call about that, uh, go ahead and get it into the show via the Anchor app or if you're on my Discord through Patreon, leave a message there uh, and uh, we'll get to it. I don't have any for this episode because I did a I did a big pre-tape, so I uh, apologize to those who may have called in <laughs> with calls, but I'll I'll let you know on, uh, you know, you'll you'll have been warned on the previous episode, so uh, there you're that, but uh, there you go. Uh, before we uh, get out of here, I'll remind you, you can follow me at KedNapsack. Go to KedNapsack.com for all the things I do, but more importantly, I really want you all to support Michelle Boyd and what she uh, does uh, uh, on uh, Twitch now, a fun stream. You hang out uh, a lot there, and I'll, I'll pop in sometimes and just kind of... Say hi and, and uh, tease you over uh, your, your video game skills, which are infinitely more better than mine. Uh, I was going to say, what are, where are we about to go with that? No, you're, yeah, no, I just, I, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you, I don't, that one game you play where you're like little weeble wobbles going around. I don't know what's going on. Fall guys, yes. there, there's actually two games where you play basically jelly that's, beans that's at this point. <laughs> um, where can they find you, follow you and all that good stuff, Michelle? 
Yeah, you can always find me at Michelle Boyd pretty much across the board on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I do also now have a Discord. And as Ken Knapsack mentioned, primarily on Twitch. I Twitch stream Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, uh, primarily playing video games, both uh, alone with the community and also with certain friends you may know. For instance, Vince Casso from The Guild, David Blue from Stargate. T-Pain on occasion, because that's my life now. It's, uh, but please come by and say hi. It is uh, how I'm connecting with the outside world these days. That's right. We all have to find a way to connect during these times, and that's a great way to do it. So uh, I fully endorse y'all. Uh, head over there uh, and uh, subscribe and follow Michelle on Twitch and just everything she does. So uh, that is it for this week. We are almost out of here. And by that, I mean we're out of here. We'll see right you next here. time Bye. on Casterly Talk. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Ken. You got it, Michelle.